0: Hi, everyone. Uh, Welcome to the first episode of the View from the Nest podcast, where we talk about all things index co-op and uh, crypto in general. I'm AG, a community contributor to the co-op, and I'm joined here by Paul, the author of our weekly newsletter, among many other things he does for the co-op. So, uh, how are you doing,
1: Paul? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Thanks for the intro. Um, I go by dark forest capital in the social channels. So you might've seen me about, uh, I probably consider myself a bit of a poor man's tracheopteryx. If you've seen him from the yearn community, um, just try and get involved with anything that's interesting, which so far has included governance, treasury, a little bit on the product side as well, but yeah, it's all been good.
0: It's, it's been, it's been quite, quite busy at the co-op and, uh, You've covered quite a few recent developments in the in the newsletter, so we can kind of go through some of
1: them. Um, which which one do you want to start with? I think the Loopring mining is a good place to start if we go in order, and uh, that was something that you launched recently. So, if you want to talk us through that,
0: yeah. So that one was basically it's a L2 liquidity mining program with. Loopring, and and Loopring has uh, two types of uh, exchanges on level two. They have an order book exchange and an automated market maker, similar to to Uniswap. And the benefit of L2 for um, those those who don't know much about L2 options is that the transactions are gas-free and the cost is uh, much, much lower than on the Ethereum chain. It's kind of great for smaller investors who want to trade in small sizes. And uh, our analysis actually for DPI, our main product, shows that 75% of addresses that hold DPI, $2,500 or less. So that's why we kind of partnered up with Loopring to do incentivized liquidity mining on their exchange. And uh, we are providing some incentives there. And Loopring is also incentivizing traders who use the DPI ETH pool to swap with it. And uh, it's, a, it's a two-week program. And we are kind of looking forward to seeing the results. I think right now, it's actually 1.8 million of liquidity, which is almost double what we were hoping for. And, and the API on that right now is about 20, 25,
1: 30%. Yeah, and I guess the interesting thing to see will will be how many people stay over on L2 after the liquidity mining ends. Yeah, and
0: uh, we're also quite quite curious about how do people interact with, with the pool, right? Like, um, are there a lot of small size transactions or is it just kind of mostly... Um, large swaps or mostly people just uh, providing liquidity, right? And uh, not many people actually using uh, using the swaps. So um, it's, it's quite an interesting experiment. And I think like the main cost, right, of um, moving to L2 is lifting of the assets from L1 to L2. So kind of once you've done that, the, the friction is, is not there anymore and the cost is not there and you can just stay gasless on on L two.
1: Yeah, and so anyone that hasn't made their way over there already, uh, I believe it launched yesterday. So the, it's a two week run on the mining, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. So it started at midnight, um, Monday, and it is a it is a fourteen day program.
1: Cool. Sounds good. Do you have anything else you wanted to cover on that? Uh, no, I think we could
0: <laughs> obviously we're quite excited about it um, and it's great to see the actual interest and uh, liquidity migrating. And we actually see that majority of liquidity migrated from SushiSwap, not Uniswap. So SushiSwap had about I think 2.3, 2.4 million of DPI ETH liquidity and that's down to about 1.3 now, so a lot of that looks like migrated to, to Loopring, which is interesting. I think.
1: Yeah, maybe there's uh, room for a, more of a deep dive there in terms of our analysis. Then perhaps there's a split between Sushi Swap and Uniswap in terms of who's using each one.
0: Yeah, it's kind of it kind of feels like. Uniswap, and we've done analysis on Uniswap, right? And it's uh, it's quite sticky. Like people don't don't want to or, or don't move in and out as much. Uh, maybe because the Uniswap pool is incentivized by the co-op with index rewards, right? But even though Sushi Swap pool is incentivized by uh, Sushi rewards, it seems like the stickiness is just uh, not not there yet.
1: Okay, interesting. Um, so, should we move on to the next section in the newsletter, which was the new product updates? Um, Absolutely. First, yep. first of a all, lot, we had. A lot
0: going on. Go ahead. Yep.
1: Yeah, go on. Um, mm-hmm. We had the flexible leverage index uh, update. So, it basically it sailed through the first round of voting, which we um, term decision gate one, and that's used to give a, an idea of community sentiment as to whether or not we want to be launching with this product. So I think there was about 180,000 index tokens voting for, and there was one brave soul who voted against with their 0.57 index. Um, so I'd be interested to know what their objection to it was, but yeah, fair play to that person. Getting, getting their voice heard. Yeah,
0: definitely. Uh, can you can you do a quick uh quick summary of the Fly Index and uh, what it actually does, and and what it's meant to be as a product?
1: Yeah, so it comes from Pulse Inc, which is the same team that launched the DeFi Pulse Index, and it's effectively like a token or an index that you can hold that represents a leveraged position. So for anybody who and, and this is specifically on launch to do with uh, this is an eth product. So anybody who's deposited eth to take out stable coins to then perhaps buy more eth or you know there's plenty of other things you can do with your stable coins but if you buy more eth then you you get leveraged exposure to that uh, to that asset. So if you're you want to be further more than long effectively on eth then then that's what you you would do through compound or arve any of the money markets that exist. So what this token does is simplifies that process. Um, and it brings an, a number of uh, benefits in terms of like managing that position. So the team have implemented like a zero slippage, um, composable entry and exit. They've got a proprietary algorithm, which reduces the rebalancing needs. And they've also included like an emergency de-levering in case uh, deleveraging in case there's like a the black swan event like we saw in March. So it, it tries to take the hassle out of managing a debt position, basically.
0: And and I guess it really simplifies uh, leverage exposure for people who don't want to understand um, how to deposit, how to take out a loan, how to leverage that loan, who don't want to manage that uh, collateralization ratios and, and so on. So, in in my mind, right? It's kind of um, we've seen sort of the emergence of leverage farming, right? And uh, the great job that uh, Alpha Homora team has done on that, and and so this is sort of similar similar service in a way. It just simplifies getting leverage exposure uh, in in DeFi, which which is you know I think a, a large addressable market.
1: Yeah. And from an index co-op point of view, I mean, while it's quite different to DPI, there is that common thread that runs through both products, which is making life simpler for, you know, we're on the cutting edge of decentralized finance here. And a lot of this stuff is quite technical. So taking DeFi Pulse as an example, obviously, when you hold that, you're looking to um, diversify across a number of assets and and reduce your uh, volatility. So this product, while it's totally different, it's also similar in that it's taking, like it's making life simpler for, for people that hold it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, quite quite excited about that one. And uh, another product we have is the CoinShares Index that's uh, hopefully about to launch pretty soon. Can you Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so the full name is the CoinShares Gold and Crypto Assets Index Lite version, which is a bit of a mouthful. But the good news is it's nearly ready to launch. Um, and so Michael from CoinShares put a post up on our forum this week to talk a bit more about the target markets for that product, which was quite interesting. So for me, I have like a, an engineering background. So I've never really seen this sort of this side of a, a business before. And I found it really interesting in terms of how much detail you can go into for your target market and your, your target investor. Um, in the newsletter, I did actually put that the total addressable market was about $1.85 billion. And that's my mistake because I've underreported it. It's actually well over 10 billion in terms of the amount of, um, options here in terms of like who we can target. So is It has the potential to be a massive product for the index co-op and with a partner like CoinShares, I would imagine that it's not going to be the first or not going to be the last Sorry. So, yeah, it was interesting to see what they said in terms of the details. We had uh, a bit more of a breakdown on the type of people that they expect to hold this product. So you had the people that are in it for the sound money, um, obviously gold and Bitcoin. And to an extent, Ethereum all fall into that category. Um, the people who like internet investment gold was another one. And the crypto portfolio builders. So people who like to do it themselves on uh, on Web3. And yeah, all of these have a deep dive. So if you head on to the forum and go and have a look, it, it's it's very interesting, I think.
0: What's, uh, I'm I'm obviously, I've been really bullish on this product, um, because a lot of people in, in sort of my network, right, and, and my background is in uh, traditional finance. I know a lot of people who understand traditional finance, but don't really understand crypto in depth, and they don't really want to go in depth. But they do understand Bitcoin and the digital gold narrative that's been really kind of became really popular in in 2020, and most of them have heard of Ethereum and sort of know what it is and and what it does. So I see that for someone like that, this this index would be the only crypto product they they will ever hold. You know, so I think there is a massive massive market there, and also with with a partner like CoinShares, the The ability, like, I think it it will be easier to list on centralized exchanges, which, you know, the crowd that we could be targeting with this, that's where they live, right? They live on Coinbase and Kraken and Gemini and and so on. So getting this product listed on those exchanges could be be quite a a substantial opportunity.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that's something that we've, been missing so far in terms of the, obviously the DPI product that we have. But yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I think going back to what you said about your, your network, one of the cool things about this was actually spotting people that I recognize in the descriptions that, that were given. <laughs> so you, I know a few portfolio builders and there's people who are on the fringe, they know about crypto, but maybe they haven't fully dipped their toe in the water or they still hold some Bitcoin that they bought on Coinbase Many years ago, so yeah, like you say, this has got that that opportunity to to be that bridge between the two worlds. Have you have you reached out to them? Yeah, i (laughs) I think I'm going to have to go through the whole process of uh, installing MetaMask and teaching them onboarding, onboarding them, (laughs) teaching them from scratch. So hopefully, somebody picks it up in their pension fund somewhere, and uh, we can start to offer it. That way, but yeah, it should be fun to to use this as an introduction to how this side of the crypto world works.
0: Uh, absolutely, um, cool. No, I'm yeah, I'm I'm really bullish on that. So it's absolutely, absolutely great. Excited for the product. All right, let's let's move on to to the next uh, section of the newsletter, which was
1: uh, unincentivized AUM. What what the hell is that? <laughs> So this is our resident uh, Lemonade lemonade Alpha who his, he's come up with some quite interesting ways to measure the success of DPI and he put out a tweet this week that showed in terms of unincentivized AUM, i.e. the holders that are not liquidity mining or being rewarded for holding DPI we have an absolutely massive share of the market compared to our competitors so if you think of uh, you've got the uh, Pidow products, um, the synthetics products, and the PowerPool products. I mean, we're we're talking nearly 37 million dollars unincentivized AUM. Uh, sorry, 34 million for for DPI out of 37 million. So 10% for everybody else, and well, under 10% for everybody else. So we we're, we're just destroying everybody when it comes to that which is, is a good sign because it shows, and this ties back to what you said earlier about um, the work that we've done on retention analysis. It's that DPI is quite a sticky product. Once people hold it, they want to continue to hold it. And it's there as a, you know, a long-term bet on, on the sector effectively.
0: Yeah. And, and we've been sort of extending our liquidity mining since the, uh, the, the original kind of three months period. If, if I remember correctly, but we have been lowering the rewards quite a bit. I think we lowered them by about fifty percent the first time we extended, and then continued to lower from then on. So, from from our perspective, right, we are trying to kind of slowly but steadily remove uh, liquidity mining rewards for DPI ETH pool, and that this type of information kind of really feeds into into that narrative quite a bit
1: yeah it's good it just supports the the data-driven approach that we've taken with it to to try and taper off like you said taper off our rewards over time
0: yeah absolutely and uh yeah it's interesting right we recently started having a conversation about potentially shifting some of the uh liquidity mining incentives to sushi swap right and i think you had a Chat with um, Zero x Maki, who is kind of one of the main characters associated with uh, with sushi.
1: yeah, it was good to have a talk with him. I think there's a lot of similarities with the communities. Um, we didn't have quite as much controversy as, as Sushi Swap has been through in our early days, but in terms of you know building it from from the, the ground up and, and having people just appear out of the ether effectively and start contributing to the index co-op as a DAO. It's been great to see. And yeah, I think there's there's definitely room for collaboration there. Um and that could include, you know, moving some incentives over to the SushiSwap platform so that we can build up the DPI ETH pool there. At the moment it's all incentivized by sushi rewards. Um, And those guys, you know, they've decided to do that off their own back. So, uh, yeah, like I say, I think there's room for collaboration there. Um, And we've, you know, we've looked at uh, exchange issuance and um, using aggregators as ways to mitigate against if we reduced the size of uh, a single pool, for example, on Uniswap, the DPI pool, because the major risk is, obviously, if we have whales looking to trade, upwards of 500k of dpi um, they're going to be very concerned with the, the slippage on that so there's a delicate balance to be to be had between reducing the rewards and reducing the depth of a single pool but at the same time if we like I say if we can start to point people towards aggregation and if we release the exchange issuance method um, where people can mint and redeem like all the tokens individually for, for those less gas sensitive, uh, traders, then I think I think that goes some way to mitigate mitigating against it.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, I think we do this quite well at Index Co-op Is we try to take a very um, objective and, and data driven approach to these decisions. So taking it uh, one step at a time, looking at what is that, what uh, the data tells us, and then kind of uh, assessing the situation from there. So um, I think that's something we're going to do with, with this one as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. <clears throat> All right. So the last uh, last thing in the newsletter, well, second to last, is the governance mining, which is something that you proposed. So fill us, uh, fill us in on this one.
1: Yeah. Um, don't do yourself a disservice there. Obviously, we worked on this together. But, yeah, I think... I've been looking for or I've been kind of interested in governance generally and been looking for a solution for the index co-op for the longer term. So when there was recently a post about implementing quadratic voting and it was met with fairly lukewarm reception and then um, a few uh, whale holders of index made it clear that they weren't too happy with that. Uh, I think there was you know, there's an opportunity there to do something different. The the data shows that we have a number of addresses that hold a lot of the voting power. And at the end of the day, we want to avoid governance capture. So we need to address that balance. Um, Obviously, that's not going to happen through quadratic voting because that produces the uh, the value proposition of holding index. And, And that's not something that we want to do. So going back to first principles and looking at, you know, how would we approach governance? What do we want to get out of it? Um, I kind of came up with this idea for staking for governance or governance mining as it's known. So it's like a, a, two, a two-tiered approach effectively to try and bring index tokens into the portal, first of all, through a reward incentive. And then once the tokens are in the portal, obviously there's nothing better, they've got nothing better to do with the tokens other than vote. So if you start voting, then you can build up a voting record. And the better your voting record is, the greater your um, reward APY. So the, the idea of designing it like that means that we take tokens off the market, um, which makes it harder for people to do flash loan attacks when we eventually have index as a collateral, for example. Um, it means that people are, or holders' incentives are aligned. So. If you hold index, you want to be voting on um, proposals that make the index co-op better in the future. So you've got economic incentives aligned. Um, there's there's just a number of benefits for it really, and we want to we want to widen the distribution of index to the right people, and the people who are interested in um, governing our protocol and, and like I say, making it better. I think that's where the index should be directed. So. Yeah, that, I think that's pretty much the summary of it. Um, if you wanted to so, add anything onto that,
0: yeah, yeah, no, it's a, it's a great proposal. I think it goes really well with the smart treasury that uh, that sort of we you proposed uh, a, a week or or two before that. From kind of my perspective, right, the governance mining also uh, addresses two other things. Right, one is. This is DeFi, and people don't want assets just uh, sitting in their wallet and not earning yield, right? So this effectively makes index a, a productive asset, and it removes it from the open market a little bit. So while that's not a primary consideration, it's still, it's still a benefit uh, the way I see it. And then also the, the meta-governance, right? So we, as, as index holders, we can vote on governance proposals of underlying tokens in the DPI. And for now, it's enabled for uh, Compound, AVA, and Uniswap. And so we want index holders to be active in those decisions because we want to make sure that we are promoting and supporting the right governance proposals that will accrue value to those underlying tokens. So that's, that's another thing that this proposal would address, right? It would incentivize governance, not just index specific governance, but also meta governance, which is which is crucial. And obviously, there are some things we can, you know, we, we're still thinking about and working through and discussing as a community, whether it's, you know, lockups or um, multipliers and so on, but it, it's definitely a, a great a proposal as it relates to the token economics of the index.
1: Yeah, I think the discussion's been really good actually. It's it's not something that there's going to be a silver bullet for. Governance is is always going to be difficult. So coming up with, you know, you try and make it as simple as possible, but there are always going to be other options and and there's no way we're going to get it right first time. So it's it's been good to see the the community engagement and I've had a number of conversations with people. I think The idea of locking up and and boosting either earning or voting power is definitely a a popular theme at the moment. And I think what's really interesting about all of this to me is the fact that it's so like it's pushing the envelope. And even though Maker and synthetics have sort of been doing this for a while now, like when I first came into it, I figured, oh, I'll just look at what they're doing and they'll have all the answers. But Everybody's looking at each other because it's so, it's so new. And in terms of like the way that crypto economics work and the economic incentives involved work, it makes it very different to like traditional models of governance because there's, you've got a lot more that you can tune and fine tune and, and play around with. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's a good solid stake in the ground. Like I say, the discussions around it have been great. And um, hopefully we can keep that up and, and roll something out over the coming months
0: absolutely uh, should we talk about the set v2 announcement uh, which which hit yesterday and uh, this came as a bit of a a bit of a shock to, <laughs> I would say to the index community not in a bad way obviously but um, it was just a, a surprise for for all of us I would say
1: yeah it was yeah I think it was uh, good to see it's obviously been. In what they referred to, I think, as a public beta, for the last couple of months, um, because it's what the all of the DPI and WBTC ETH uh, Yield Farm tokens were all built on. So it was just permissioned in terms of the gateway into it. But yeah, to see them release it like this and the opportunities that it provides the whole DeFi ecosystem, I think is is fantastic. Um, so I mean, it's basically
0: it- it's basically enabling anyone. To create an index using set uh, infrastructure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think there's going to be more to it than that. Um, it's it sort of takes on the enzyme, uh, the enzymes of the world as well in terms of like general asset management. Uh, I think set are, are viewing it as replacing their social trading um, platform that they had as well. So it's more than just you build a portfolio and then you rebalance it every month. There's a lot of like extra nuance to it as well. So it really sort of democratizes asset management in the same way that something like enzyme has as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. agreed. What's um, how do you think this sort of affects the co-op? Obviously I'm happy to give you my take first. Yeah, um, <laughs> you can. Really- <laughs> so, yeah, I think it sort of makes launching products really easy, right? For, for anyone, anyone can launch a product. But what the co op has is the ability and the experience and the knowledge on how to grow indices, right? I think having a, having a good methodology is, is just uh, one part of the puzzle. And then using that methodology to market and grow the index product is uh, the, whole, the whole different ballgame. And so that's something that the co-op is really good at. And, and I, I would say that we've done a pretty good job with, with DPI. And so, it, it yeah, I think it allows us actually – I think it allows us to – Look at the market and see which products are are doing well, right? And and which products and which methodologies are doing well, and sort of bring them under the index corp umbrella and, and grow that product together. And obviously, I think it it leaves it leaves us with a lot of more complex and uh, specialized products that we can launch, like like fly, for example.
1: Yeah, if you think back to the post that Felix put up on our forum about um, the the vision of the future, we've got volatility indices um, like bond-based products, um, the leveraged index. You know, there's there's a whole world of assets out there that can be built, and and probably ones that you know we haven't even thought of yet. So, while thematic indexes are what we've started off looking at and and they're the most popular and easiest to get into. That's only one portion of where the index co-op can go. And I think I completely agree with you in terms of like how it affects the co-op. Everybody's first reaction last night was, Oh, what, what's it, what's this all about? You know, and it make it does make launching products easier, but that means anyone can launch a product. So then it comes down to what you've said about, you know, how do you build it out from there? And where Index Co-op is strong is the community that we've built up that has business development connections or can get on Twitter and market something really well. Um, we make, you know, we've done some good memes over the over the few months <laughs> that we've been around.
0: So <laughs> you're like, saying that's our something. value
1: add, the, the, the meme game. Yeah, I mean, look at Chainlink. They've got an army of green frogs that do a great job of uh, pumping <laughs> tokens, so... Yeah, I I think that shouldn't be overlooked, but yeah, you know, releasing a product is easy being there for years and years to maintain it and build it out and get the right integrations, do stuff like intrinsic productivity, which is really technically quite difficult. You know, we've got a head start on everybody there. So yeah, I I think the index co-op definitely still has a place even more so now because there's just, we're going to have many more people coming to us saying, like I built this. Here's the back test, or or here's you know the track record. What do you think? Can we throw some liquidity at it? Can we put some incentives on it, and you know get it out there and get it integrated through your network? So, yeah, I think we stand to gain quite a lot from this, to be honest.
0: It's uh, it's it's exciting. Yeah, it's exciting times, and I'm I'm particularly excited about you know once on chain derivatives like on chain options develop, which I think. This is going to be the big year for that. The amount of strategies you can do with options is just limitless, right? And and a lot of those are volatility, for example, or market neutral strategies, and and that's that's complex stuff. But you know, there is just so much white space, uh, w- which is exciting. And I think this sort of moves us a little bit away from simpler sectoral indices and more into really exploring the the design space.
1: Yeah. And it, it falls quite nicely under our philosophy that was, uh, it was penned by Punia, one of the community members recently, and he was talking about making finance more accessible for everybody. And the stuff that you've just described is, is extremely complicated, but there is definitely room to sort of wrap that all up into something that makes it a lot simpler and can be held by anybody with a a Web3 wallet in the world.
0: Yeah, exciting, exciting stuff. All right, Paul, I think uh, this sort of concludes it for our first episode of the podcast. It was uh, great to chat about this stuff and uh, we'll be back next week.
1: Cool, thanks very much.